Hello, everybody. I am Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express. And if you would like to purchase some merchandise from World's Number One Mid-South Wrestling Podcast, check it out. All the products. That's on redbubble.com. People, Mid-South Moments. They have everything from T-shirts, phone cases, mugs. Remember now, redbubble.com. People, Mid-South Moments. Thanks very much, Ricky. And that link again is redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash Mid-South Moments. We welcome back to the show today, Mark Dunderdale and Stuart Roberts to review the December 15th, 1984 episode of Mid-South Wrestling. How are you doing today, Mark? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Uh, all good, all good. Stu, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Great to see you, both. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's been a long time. And before we move on to the episode review, I wanted to talk about the last time we were all actually together, which is crazy to think uh, is now nearly 21 months ago. So, Mark, you were turning 40 in April 2019. Perhaps I shouldn't share that with the... Uh, <laughs> it was my birthday. It was his 21st birthday. Yeah, so it was his 21st birthday, actually. Um, which I think we were together for your 21st. Uh, no, 30th. 30th. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it was Houston, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 But that's crazy, isn't it? Two, mon- two uh, like monumental birthdays yeah. that we were all together for because they fell at WrestleMania. It's great. So, Mark, you, you turned 40 in April uh, 2019. And you set the wheels in motion to head to New York for this occasion. It was taken in WrestleMania 35. How early did negotiations with your um, <laughs> other half start? I, can't, I, can't, I couldn't quite remember the, act, the, the timeline for this when I was thinking about it. Well, it was over a year before. I do know that because they announced the following year's WrestleMania recently they've tended to do that just before this year's WrestleMania yes. each time. Yeah. So it was on my mind going into WrestleMania 35 thinking, I wonder if WrestleMania, sorry, WrestleMania 34, which one did we go to? So we went to 35. Yeah. yeah. Just before WrestleMania 34, um, it was on my mind thinking, I wonder if it's on the right weekend, if it's on my birthday weekend, cause my birthday was the Saturday Mm. Um, and it's in somewhere that I want to visit, then um, I think I'm going to uh, try and make it work. And um, it, whether that be asking you two if you wanted to go for a, a boys' trip or if uh, the wife wanted to... My, my wife had never been to New York, so I thought that might be nice getaway for her as well. And, um, yeah, they announced it was on the right weekend and it was in New York, which is, you know, if it had been somewhere less touristy that I wouldn't have been so interested in looking around it's Detroit, Detroit perhaps it's no offense something to like that yeah business, exactly which we also did in uh in whatever year that we was did, 2007 yeah. didn't yeah. do a lot of sightseeing that no. weekend but um <laughs> no. yeah it once they made the announcement um yeah I'd pretty much got my mind made up I was gonna go so I I remember that I really wanted to come um and I I, I can't really remember what you know, what, what was going on really then? I do remember one thing that was going on, which I'll gloss over. Um, but yeah, there was, I can't remember what was going on really re the trip. Um, but what, the, what really set me over the top, and I was like, I've just got to do this. And I was like, just, just, just get this done was when they announced a new Japan show the night before MSG. And it's just like, I'm going to get, I've got to get tickets. This day they go. So I was just like, I'm committed now. I'm going, I'm doing it. Um, but it wasn't until December time when fortune had it, that you guys were coming down to London for a, Conrad Thompson and Bruce Pritchard live podcast and a, and a show that Cody Rhodes was on as well. Um, that Stuart and I hatched the plan for him to come along as well and for that to be kept a surprise. So we we had a chat about this and I remember we were we went out to lunch. ZZ's was it? Maybe or Pizza Express? One of the Pizza three. Express. Pizza Express. Pizza Express. 
yeah. remember we were talking about it while you were in the toilet, Mark, and we were oh, like, I really, I really, I really, I hope I'm not going to give this away. I don't even knew that, do you? No, to, to this day, yeah. So I was like, I had like a really big grin in my face. I was like, I just got to not give this away. And I remember feeling a little yeah. bit, a little bit boozy at lunchtime as well because I think I'd had one, whatever their honeydew. Yeah, is when I quite touched strong. you both at pool, we had a few uh, beers. Yeah, we had had. Yeah, yeah. I was. Yeah, I was terrible. I'm glad I suggested that pool, and I didn't win a single ma- single game the whole time. But that was a really good day. But yeah, that yeah, was when we really was. hatched the um, the, uh, hatched the, the plan, plan, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that, well, that feels so well, mad, doesn't it? That was that was two does. two Christmases ago, and we like had a great. It was around this time, wasn't it? It's was a few weeks after this. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, in, well, like yeah. in East London, having a few drinks and stuff, and now you can't even do anything. Yeah. So yeah, not not. It, it was it was always like uh, when when I knew that Mark was was going to go to go to to New York. It was always like you know, yeah, I, I probably can't really afford this because uh, you know at the time this was working, the wife was working only three days a week. We didn't have that sort of. Thing income but then things changed and stuff like that and um and and, and then the plan started to gradually evolve didn't it and, yeah uh, and, and and it was yeah it was it was yeah it was really hard wasn't it so like we had to be really careful like on our whatsapp group that we didn't say anything to you know that might give it away and and like you know and and i think it was getting closer it was like oh god this is so hard not to say anything but, in the um, whatsapp group that the three of us um have there yeah. was a lot of talk between Steve and I and quite a few times I felt a bit awkward thinking, oh, I hope Steve yeah. will find us making plans for New York. Well, yeah, the and then, 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 then I think I think when, I, when when it got the time that we were going, I think I even, if I remember rightly, even sent a WhatsApp message. You get, I was going to say that. Have you sent an time, excellent you know, message. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm and, gutted uh, I'm not going to be there, uh, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With the, with the spirit and all that type thing. So yeah, so, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was yeah, the, the, the plans were certainly like five, four or five months in the uh, four or five months in the making weren't they and uh, and we was always like a bit a bit worried were we going to overlap the airports you know when we got to New York was there going to be a bit of an overlap yeah. and stuff like that we were all like oh god you know it's uh, the bit that I was uh, really worried about, because it was a shirt came down to mind the fr- the what would it have been the Thursday night. We flew in the morning and then we yeah. basically got to the got to the hotel and went had to go straight back out to Brooklyn yeah. um to go to NXT. And I was really we I, I have no idea how I got this thing. What were we like, third or fourth fourth row, maybe from fourth uh, yeah, row ringside? Third, well, no, I think it's probably about fourth row from fourth Yeah, row fourth row ringside. ringside it? So, and it was just yeah. in the corner where if if there was a shot kind of down the down the outside of the ring, we'd have just been. I mean, it wasn't like prime hard camera side where you'd have been on the show the whole time. But there's a decent chance you're going to get caught on camera here. And I remember yeah. a few times when like something was happening in front of us, Stu would like crouch down because I I was convinced that I was convinced. I know Mark's yeah, yeah. like an early riser. I was thinking he is going to get up at like get six a.m. on the yeah, Saturday yeah, yeah, and watch yeah. that bloody yeah. NXT, and we're, it's going to be like, going to be every done. Time, every time a, every time a match ended, it was like right. I'm yeah, yeah. I've <laughs> <laughs> literally. I was literally lying on the guy, the guy next to me's lap. Where'd I lie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it all right to come up? And I was like crouching down, like, like just looking at my, is it all right? <laughs> it was so good. Because I didn't, I, I had no idea. I didn't, I wouldn't. No, you didn't watch it, did you? I don't think it was not too afterwards. But we managed to make it all the way through there. Um, and then basically on that Saturday, like we were just, I was trying to get, because we were obviously meeting on the Sunday and, I, and, I, and I, that was your actual birthday. And I was guessing you, Mark, you think, well, I've, you know, I've got plans today. Like what, you know, I don't really get, like, why are we doing this like weird meet? But over to you in terms of, your, sort of very, what you're thinking on that yeah, Saturday. That's yeah, that's very accurate because I, we were on the go in my wife and I flying out Friday, getting there Friday evening and flying home Monday evening. So I wanted to squeeze in realistically as much as I can. Yeah. Um, not overdoing it where we're to the point where we're rushing around, but I'd sort of planned day by day. And you'd early on, you'd said, if we just meet up, just 
so I can give you a birthday. Oh yeah, I've got a surprise. I've got a small surprise yeah. for you. So I said, yeah, 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 yeah. So I thought, okay, if we meet somewhere around Times Square, we'll be around that place sort of Saturday lunchtime. So we had a, a sort of preliminary plan in place, but then I got sidetracked going to Grand Central Station and walking through Times Square. I went to get. I had a bit of a tangent. I went to get my photo taken at the studio where Tupac was shot in 1994. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Things like that. And time was getting away from me. We were in regular touch on the phone. And then uh, we made it to, was it a Chipotle where uh, yeah. I come to see it? <laughs> you were right by, right by the Empire State but, Building, yeah. yeah. Right before, on the same uh, before street, we get yeah. to, Before we get to meet, though, the thing is, is, is we've been up, and we, since like six, half six in the morning, haven't we? <laughs> we've, gone to, we've, gone to, we've gone to the football factory to watch to watch oh, no, Norwich yeah. play and, and, and I got absolutely pole axed. <laughs> they wouldn't serve us breakfast, would they? They didn't serve breakfast until 9am. So we were about yeah. three Guinnesses in. We were both <laughs> off our face. I'd had, I'd had about five pints of lager and I, hmm. I mean, I, I'm not a big drinker and I, you know, every time Norwich scored, I was like, all right, I'll have another pint and yeah. I know I would troll it. I was really, really drunk, yeah. And then we had these, uh, then we had these, they, they bought these pancakes out, which were like probably the size of, well, I don't know, they were sort of massive, weren't they, these pancakes? Demolished them, staggered back to the hotel, didn't we? We had a kip, I think. I think yeah. we had a kip, didn't we, for probably... Yeah, we did. Uh, yeah, we stayed for like an hour, hour, hour and a half yeah, or something, yeah. 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 And, then, uh, and then the hangover was kicking in as we oh, woke up, basically. Yeah. In, oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then when we came... Cause, when we walked through New York to get to the football factory, and this is like seven in the morning. It was brilliant, yeah. The Norwich game had been put back to lunchtime in the UK, so it was yeah. like seven in the morning. And it was so quiet, wasn't it? Yeah, it was incredible. It was a nice day. You could see yeah. everything. No one was around. Yeah. It was. I'm so no, pleased was, that we did that because that's like yeah. a unique experience, isn't it? Yeah. But then when we came back out at like twelve o'clock to, to go, it wasn't and like that anymore. Yeah. Like chaos, <laughs> weren't it? Yeah. And you're up, you're a bit hungover. We're feeling a bit like, oh god, right? Should we should we really done? Should we really got that hard so soon in the morning? But hey. Um, and then, and then, so yeah, so you, you were at the Empire State, weren't you, I think? And then you were uh, walking No, I, we went there afterwards. That was the plan. Oh, so I thought, oh, just okay. before I go up to the top of the Empire State, I'll call in and meet uh, yeah. Steve. Yeah, so, so yeah, so we were in the, uh, we were in the, chip, the Chipotle and stuff like that. So, uh, and I just thought, like, when the sat that was, behind the table... Yeah, expertly planned, so that when yeah. I walk in, I'd see Steve at the counter. Yeah. He sort of, uh, we said our hellos and then introduced him to my wife because I don't think you'd met before. No. And uh, he sort of uh, looked over my shoulder to gestures for me to turn round. <laughs> and actually, now I think about it, you were sort of sunken down in a chair, which at the time I thought, oh, he's been a bit sneaky. I think you were still drunk from the... <laughs> I, 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 I tried a copper snooze, me now. I was like, oh, I, I, give me five minutes. <laughs> uh, I think I even had my sunglasses on oh, I think, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, and then it's almost like you did a bit of a double take because you looked and looked away and then said, did, yeah. looked back again and just like, <laughs> oh, wow, it was great. And then all that planning, uh, the, the, the five, you know, and, and, you know, I have to give some thanks to Stephen for making it happen because he really did make it happen. And uh, um, but that, that, that five months of planning, and it was just, it was, it was brilliant, it was yeah. Magical, it was a really magical moment. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, we went, had a great, we went back to the place yeah. we were in the morning, bizarrely, weren't we? We ended up being like right there, wasn't it? And I had a few, yeah, a few more drinks. Few more drinks. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was really, really good. Yeah. And obviously, um, WrestleMania Sunday as well was, uh, was, was um, we, had, we had a really good fun. We went to a, for a nice lunch and stuff and a few beers. And it was, it was uh, not, not the most amazing show we've ever been at together, I don't think, but an incredible experience in that stadium. But it was, uh, yeah, quite the 40th birthday surprise. And, and just, to, just Mark, I'll, I'll end this before I go, send it back to Mark. But after our drinks in the afternoon and I think another sleep, 
I've been walking down the road to Madison Square Garden that night and I felt really rough. And we, we went in like, a, we went in some, some maybe Pret, something like that. So was it Pret and Moncho we went in to shoot? Some really random sandwich places because I was like, I don't want to get food in this place. I need something like a bit fresher than this. I remember yeah. sitting down in there getting a sandwich. It was probably like $12 or something. And I was like, I'm, I'm about to see New Japan, who I absolutely love in Madison Square Garden. And I'm, I've got the second hangover of the day and I feel so rough. But thankfully, um, some of Madison Square Garden's overpriced beers yeah. got me uh, got me through. But well, yeah, Mark. Uh, we used to go to that Dunkin' Donuts, didn't we? Like, yeah, I, for I, coffees. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, found yeah. A of, I found a love for a vanilla chai latte. Didn't yeah. Like right off at the pod hotel where we stayed, there was like a Dunkin' Donuts, weren't there, and stuff like that. And, uh, and and that, but yeah, it was um, yeah. I mean, it was yeah. God, it was yeah. I still look back at that trip and smile because it was just such a such an amazing, an amazing trip, really, and stuff like. Do you remember? Um, do you remember on the? Just, do you remember on that Monday night? Then we went to see we went to see Raw, and we were sitting next to that couple, weren't we? And she yes. was being really quite fresh and fruity, weren't she? she was I think that's like, a fair. Yeah, she was. Yes, she was. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, dude, I'm just like, yeah, can, do you, want to you were sitting next to us, weren't you? I, I was, weren't I? Yeah, you know, it was really awkward. They were very awkward. Then yeah. all of a sudden, didn't they? They both had a massive Barney, didn't yeah. they? Stomped out, didn't they? And stuff like that. Because she were absolutely wasted. They, they had a, um, didn't they have a something in their bag that they had alcohol in, I think? I don't know yeah, how they got they, that in, but no, they, I they think were, they did, yeah. They were absolutely ki weren't they? they I were, think they made it through one segment of Raw before they, before before they had their they argument and left. But I'm um, not joking, she was getting really quiet. Yeah, she kept leaning on you and stuff, didn't she? It was, like, it was really, I was just glad I was sitting on the aisle one, not next to her. <laughs> I was going to say, Mark, how, how was that for a birthday surprise? And also in follow-up, <laughs> what are we doing for your 50th? <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a fantastic surprise. And um, like I said, it, it's just nice that I got, we were at, in America for WrestleMania on my 30th birthday weekend and we did it again uh, on the 40th. So, yeah, once 50, we'll have to wait and see. What year's 50? So that'll be 2029, crikey. Correct. Uh, yeah, that's... Uh, well, that's something 30th, to look forward to, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. for your 30th birthday, do you remember, we, we recreated the pose when we first went to Houston yeah. in WrestleMania 17. We stood under the... Like it was the Astrodome sign, wasn't it? And, yeah, and, uh, I met... Stuart, well, I met yeah. both of you on that weekend, and Stuart yeah. and I actually went to WrestleMania together. Yeah, um, and yeah, just coincidence that we're, the first WrestleMania was the Astrodome, and we stood under the yeah. big sign. And then yeah, uh, nine years yeah. later, we were at, next door at the Reliance Stadium, next yeah. door to the Astrodome, and the sign was yeah. still there. So we got another photo. Was I was wearing sun? the same T-shirt. Now I think about it, I think was, it, it, was, the, the, was it your orange Taz? Was it your yeah, orange was, one? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Was the the 2009 one? Was the, your birthday actual WrestleMania Sunday? Uh, Monday. It Monday. Was the Monday oh, the Raw, Raw, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that- so, yeah, my 50th's are way away, but if anyone else we know is celebrating a 40th or something soon, maybe we could uh, have a... Yeah, oh. so I wonder who's next in line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the chance of me doing a, a wrestling holiday in 20. 20- 20 crikey it's next year isn't it I don't think I'll be going to Wrestlemania for maybe Survivor Series 2021 but yeah we'll, we'll see I, I can't show oh, I can't show I can't I can't date this podcast too much by talking about WWE stuff so I'm just gonna I'm gonna swiftly move away from yeah. modern WWE and I'm gonna head on to the greener pastures of Mid-South Wrestling in 1984 so on to the on to the review um, and we've got Jim Ross and Joel Watts at the desk and just mere, so we're talking about birthdays, this is just mere weeks prior to Joel's 21st birthday on New Year's Eve. So New Year's Eve baby, uh, Mr. Joel Watts, a very young guy. And I talked about this on 
couple of weeks ago in terms of it's quite incredible that a 20-year-old was, I know obviously by, you know, by relation, but was put in, the, in, a, in such a position of, um, you know, prominence, I suppose, really, in terms of his, his work as a commentator. Yeah, um, I, I, listening to the uh, two weeks ago, I think it was when you mentioned that, and I didn't, I knew he was a young guy. I didn't realise he was that young. And no, I, I I've maybe been a bit harsh with my critique on previous appearances because, he, like, like you said yourself, Steve, he, he's a good commentator. When it's mm. calling the action in the ring, he, he's certainly not in a different level to any of the other commentators um, from that period. Uh, it's the on-camera stuff at the start and the end where he's clearly showing his inexperience and um, not as comfortable in front yeah, of the Yeah, and I, I guess nerves, isn't it, really? Um, Ross welcomes us to the number one wrestling programme in America. Um, Joel says that matchmaker Grizzly Smith has put together an awesome show. And Joel runs down that Buddy Landell, Tim Horner, Terry Taylor, Private Terry Daniels, the Rock and Roll Express, plus the Guerreros, and two great main events. Ross adds that there will be a North American Championship match this week. The negotiations between Jim Duggan and Ernie Ladd have broken down. And Ladd has also refused a match with Butch Reed, but Ladd has agreed to face newcomer Brad Armstrong. And in the second dream match, Magnum TA will be up against Kamala, the Ugandan warrior, and we get another airing of the dream match package. So as has become customary over the last couple of weeks, I'm going to, and also always leads to dead air, as well so like i'm going to try and stall this for a bit as you as you may realize i'm about to ask you if you could both pick any wrestlers from any era going up against each other i think i can guess you's actually so i'm gonna i'm not i'm gonna i'm not gonna try i'm not gonna preempt that but i think i might well, be able to guess I'll let, it. I'll let you have a guess yeah well i think yours would be <laughs> sting and the undertaker i think I think you'd be absolutely right. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so, I'm not yeah. sure about Mark though. But if I, I'm gonna gonna switch this up. I, if I had to guess yours, Mark, I think that I think that Bret Hart might be in there. But I'm, I, you, you go whichever way you want. If you could pick any two wrestlers from any era, who would you go for as a one-off match? Well, I've heard you ask um, on previous episodes this question, so I have come prepared. And excellent. It's it's a match that could conceivably have happened at one time, hmm. although unlikely. And um, I was thinking about after WrestleMania 12, during Bret Hart's six-month hiatus from WWE, um, if he could have been persuaded to make a trip or two to the ECW arena in that time, okay, it yeah. happened to coincide with Sabu being in the absolute form of his life that summer. So if the Hitman and Sabu, 1996, that would have, uh, that would have been the dream for me. Uh, I should have thought about that. I've got one half. I mean, I think Brett Brett is such a good choice, isn't it? The more more of his stuff that I watch, just I think just the better he gets. I don't know whether you guys find this. Do you find that when you some of the stuff that I watched in my twenties in the in that kind of like the first round of like the you know the big DVD era when that you know all these collections are coming out. When I've rewatched some of those matches later on, I find that I appreciate them quite a bit more now. And I don't. I I can't put my finger on why that is but have either of you found that at all in terms of stuff you thought yeah so so you maybe you watch a Ric Flair versus Barry Windham match and you're like yeah it's fine and you watch it 10 years later like, oh my god that was actually really good yeah yeah I think um well Brett's a prime example when his DVD box set come out in 2005 and it was a, tri- a chance to look back at obviously the really famous stuff like the matches with Owen and uh Shawn Michaels we've all watched regularly being mm. full-time fans that we are. But there was some from the uh, those years 
that I maybe hadn't revisited, like the, on Raw with one, two, three kid. That was yes. an amazing match, 1994. Yeah. And yeah. Um, some of the lesser known matches. And um, I really like how WWE have started releasing sets called the Unreleased Collections, where Brett's had one and some other guys have had one, where they're releasing um, house show matches that weren't uh, televised. And mm. um, I've got the Bret Hart, I think it's the Dungeon Collection, where he had one in Madison Square Garden with The Undertaker, maybe 1991. Oh, and wow. It was a great okay. match. Just yeah. nothing, nothing blow your socks off, huge angles like that, but just solid wrestling for the audience, not for the TV camera. And I, 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 yeah, like you said, Steve, I absolutely appreciate it in a different way as you get older and you look back on uh, those days. Is that, I wonder if that's because we've just sat through so much bad stuff maybe in the last 10 years or so, like you just, you see that these, these, these really super over character, especially now, like Karki watching this stuff, you know, watching, I don't, I barely watched WWE for the whole of the pandemic, but watching AEW or Japan where they can't cheer and boo. And then all of a sudden you go back to Bret, Bret Hart and Undertaker in Madison Square Garden. I bet the crowd was electric for that. Cause that's Undertaker new character, Bret Hart's over anyway. And it's just yeah. like, well, obviously it's all going to be so much height, more heightened, isn't it? I guess. I think it's, um, they're not working for the cameras. I, I just like being in a crowd live mm. and watching the guys work to to you, to the audience. But, you know, like, I'm the same as you. I, during the pandemic era, I'm barely watching any TV because it's all sort of aimed at the cameras. There's no one there yeah. to react other than the TV screens. And, when, um, when, you know. when it comes to Brett, I, I, I've always liked, I've always enjoyed Brett's matches against the bigger guys. So I, I really liked his matches with Diesel. I think it was yes. Survivor Series. Was it Survivor Series 95? Rumble yeah, 96. incredible match. Yep. Yeah. Uh, 95, you know, yeah. Really, really liked them. Um, uh, well, I mean, he even carried Yokozuna, you know, a couple of decent matches with, uh, with, with, with Yokozuna. I thought the WrestleMania 9 match was a part yeah. of it was short and part I didn't like the, the finish. It wasn't yeah. bad at all, yeah. Yeah, no. no. And then the, the Undertaker match, uh, was it? Summer Slam when Michaels was the referee. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I just, I've always preferred Brett matches with the, the bigger guys and yeah. stuff like that. That's always been a personal favourite. So, um, so yeah, yeah. And of course, for your picks, Stu, um, at the at the Survivor Series that took place, what so uh, twenty one days ago when this this is released, there was a big angle between Sting and the Undertaker on Undertaker's uh, oh, yeah. Undertaker's exit, and they're going to do their 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 movie match at WrestleMania. So, what do you think about that? That is totally news to me. I didn't. No, no, it hasn't. Have we? oh. <laughs> we're doing. We're doing. We're doing the play thing. Along, where, yeah, we're, come on, play along. We're doing the thing where we're, we're recording something before the fact. We're pretending oh, after sorry, the fact. Man. But I wouldn't. Joe, you know I wouldn't shock me if that happens because no. they could. They could do a, a you know um, you know movie like match potentially for their last thing. They could. They could definitely do that because Sting yeah. wouldn't be any in any jeopardy. So, would you like to see that? Do you think? Yeah. I'd- I just like I've always you know I just just to see them together would be for me electric you know yeah. what I mean um, you know to, to to yeah it's it's always been that that match that I've craved so and I really thought it would happen as well I, I really believed that when he came to when when Sting came to W I, I really believed it was going to happen but yeah. but you know obviously Taker wasn't probably in the right shape the right form do you know what i mean because yeah he he because thing was 31 wasn't he so that was yeah. uh to take a full uh Ray uh, wire didn't he yeah. um and then he then that's when i think taker sort of like started to tail off a little bit didn't he and, and you know two-year combination with that range match where he just clearly wasn't fit to be in the ring 
So yeah, it probably should have happened at 31 there, but yeah. you know, that, I think they missed that that boat really with, with that really. So um, yeah, the so, Triple yeah. H one was weird because I know that they were really really hoping that it would be the Rock and Triple H at um, 32. So that, that I think that's why Triple H won that match. But actually, when you think think about it, in the end. I didn't really do anything for anybody. I mean, it was it was a wonderful thing to experience live. I don't think it necessarily translated as well at home. I don't, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, it just was like, you think Undertaker and, Undertaker and Sting in the semi-main, which is what Undertaker and Bray Wyatt was, at a, you know, a, 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 a very, you know, I was going to say like maybe an 8 out of 10 WrestleMania, 7.75 out of 10 WrestleMania. You could, you really, that, in the spectacle with all the all the you could have had all the NWO stuff and a few WWE guys yeah. helping the Undertaker done the same almost the same match and you think you think the spectacle of that as well but yeah. I didn't do that, it that that had to be the time that it happened yeah. really or, or, or perhaps the SummerSlam but yeah yeah but I, I, I think a movie match and yeah. all those years had passed after WCW closed where Sting was on the market was available uh, I know once he went to TNA, he was very loyal to them for a long time. But yeah, you'd think WWE would have put, been putting offers on the table if if they'd done it in the early two thousands, the mid two thousands. That would have been some match when Undertaker was still right at the top of his game. Yeah, do you know what I think that um, lots changed, lots of lots and lots has changed with Vince McMahon, um, and 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 all sorts of things in terms of like people being part time, being paid a lot of money, and as Vince has got older. I think he's he's been more um, willing to push older people, and I'm not sure the two things are necessarily linked, but it's just it's just fact. Like we I, we did a um, I did a long bit of research about the, you know, the Bret Hart stuff and talked about that, and that was about a couple of weeks ago. But Bret was 40 when all that went down, and ultimately, really, that was a creative decision because the guy was 40 years old, and he's like like he did with Hogan when he was about 40. Savage was 41, 42, and he's like pushing him onto commentary. I think it was 41 in 93, Savage, and he's already on, com- he was on the commentary booth at WrestleMania 9 after winning the title at WrestleMania 8. So Vince had this real thing about older people, which has changed now. I think if if everything was 10 years later, um, Sting would have been in the WWE because they'd have paid him so much money for a few appearances that he couldn't have turned it down. But it never, it wasn't never quite the right time, really, for, for Vince. No. And he, he, had, he had some decent years left in him, definitely. Um, so back to himself. Ross says that the viewers' wishes are coming true on air. On air, he then switches gears and says that Buddy Landell and Ted DiBiase made statements before the show, which they've recorded. Landell, who I hate to cast aspersions on, but seemed way off on this promo, and by off I mean possibly drunk, says that as the new TV Mid South title champion, he's going to bring some class and honour to the title. He's not going to be like the old champions. He's going to have some matches with some, with some top opponents. He then says he thinks Shawn Michaels, a new up-and-comer in Mid-South area, deserves a shot, which and this, this got a decent reaction from the crowd. Um, before we get on to Ted here, uh, Mark, what did you think of Landell's performance? And do you think he might have been slightly worse for wear here? Um, yes, I wrote down the exact quote you just said, which was, you know, Teddy, being the new TV Mid-South title champion. <laughs> uh, and it was a very poor promo from that first line and in addition to mixing up his words again later on in the same promo it was less lively and less emphatic um compared to Landau's usual usual delivery and, yes um, yeah yeah there was something uh, not clicking there that day no I think what, what do you think Stu he- heavy night yeah. before for Mr Landau or maybe a heavy heavy morning I, I just wrote trolley 
He just, like you say, he oh, wow. tried to just seem trolling. I think, mm. um, yeah, yeah, he was, um, yeah, well, perhaps wasn't quite on his best form, shall we say. So, no. Yet, Ted DiBiase, uh, I, I, I've not seen much of Ted DiBiase in his like, early, early days, but um, it was strange not seeing him with a full beard, you know what I mean? It was, yes, uh, it yeah. Was weird, but, but yeah, I, I like, I like DiBiase's promo, Chris. Yeah, Debiossi yeah. was great here. He, he took the mic and said that he'd been hearing a lot of crying and, and I've written bell aching, but that can't be right, can it? Belly, belly aching. aching. And bell, bell aching is something that's altogether different. Yeah, altogether different. Um, crying over spilt milk from the Rock and Roll Express about how they had been robbed of the titles in New Orleans and how Debiossi and Hercules wouldn't give them a rematch. He said that the Rock and Roll Express could only beat someone on a scaffold or with someone over the ring in a straitjacket. He adds that if they can change the contract they have with the Guerreros for that episode, then they could have a match against him and Hercules. Non-title, but if they win, they'll get a future title shot. Ross says that he knows the Rock and Roll Express are great men in and out of the ring and that they will be trying to make the change. Um, Stu, what did you think of DiBiase's promo here and the potential for a Hercules and DiBiase versus Rock and Roll Express match later in this episode? Yeah, well, like I said, you know, I thought he, he, he was on the money there, wasn't he, really? So, um, and, and yeah, it was... Obviously, I'm, I was just trying to make the connection between him and Hercules and, and to, to get, get to all that. But but yeah, I, I I like the offer of like a non-title match. You know, if you beat Earth, you know, then you get a title match and yeah. stuff like that. But um, yeah, you, you could just see, yeah, he, he is so good on the mic. He was such a good verbal promo guy, wasn't he? And um, yeah, I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, really, really good. What did you think of uh, Ted DiBiase here, Mark? Yeah, I, I like when heels include some elements of truth into their promos and when they're running down their rivals. And, and that's what he did here, saying rock and roll can only win gimmick matches like when they hang someone in a straitjacket above the ring or a scaffold match, whereas he does all his wrestling inside the squared circle. And I guess that plays into the fact that's how rock and roll had won some big matches recently uh, compared to where they lost the titles to Hercules and DiBiase in a regular match. And um it, he said about the he went to Grizzly Smith to get the contracts changed from Rock and Roll Express to um, replacing the Guerreros as their okay. opponents that night, and um, it, which you know I like Rock and Roll Express, but I'm a bit disappointed because um, I haven't seen a lot of the Guerreros work from this period, other than the previous couple of weeks uh, TV, and that they were looking pretty good in the ring. So I was quite looking forward to seeing them until it got cancelled before it started. Yeah, that is a bit of a shame because they, they have been really, really good here. And I, I, I completely agree about he, a heel is supposed to, um, a heel at, at its best has got a, you know, a, a reason that's valid in their own mind and potentially sometimes valid just, just anyway to, to, to do what they do. Um, and with regards to the Rock and Roll Express and scaffolds, they had to go up those scaffolds 15, t- 15 times up a scaffold. Like, no, I wouldn't want to go up there once, let alone fifth. Man, I'd just be, I think I'd be a quivering, quivering wreck for about four weeks doing that loop. Like, do you think someone took the big bump all 15 times? Um, or would they have had some pinfalls or? There, there is one. So I, I don't know why this is. And also I've already reviewed this stuff and released the show, <laughs> which I hope you've listened to. Um, but there is one, basically Houston Wrestling, um, which was co-promoted with Mid-South, but was owned by Paul Bosch, 
all of their, a lot of their house show stuff was taped. So a lot of their stuff is available on YouTube. So if you look, if you go, you know, Rock and Roll Express uh, versus Midnight, their scaffold match from Houston is available in full. And a lot of, or, you know, if any, any combination of anyone you can think of during this year, you can find their match from Houston, which is quite interesting. But none of the other stuff is available. So I guess they only occasionally would take Steadicams to Superdome or, um, you know, Oklahoma, et cetera, to tape some of that stuff. So all of that, unfortunately, is lost to the annals of time. But yeah, I wouldn't have thought they did a big bump every night. I yeah, I thought the purpose of the gimmick was someone's going to fly off or hang from yeah. it and drop or something. But if you're doing it sort of every night, that, yeah. that can't be how it pans out. No. Um, so we head in ring for the opening bout of the episode, the TV Mid-South title champion, Nature Boy Buddy Landell versus the future heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, sporting again this week, his fetching red MTV vest. TV yeah, I want my MTV and some long blue tights. Boyd announced it was a non-title match. Landell queried this and Boyd says that Landell can't now or ever pick his opponent. Landell added that if Michaels was able to beat him, he could have the medal. I thought this was a slightly odd placement for Boyd here, is him having to deliver the message of it being a non-title match. It's very much a heel-type move, as it means the up-and-comer couldn't win the championship, which is a bit of a weird one. Um, Ross said that the wrestling experts around the country have been impressed with Michaels, and he is likely to be a star of the future, which is an interesting line from Ross here. Um, Michaels controlled the early going before Landell got on top with a stiff-looking forearm. Landell raked the eyes and dropped an elbow and won in 2.33, which I thought was a bit of a shame that this one wasn't given a little bit more time as it would have been great to see Sean at this time in his career I think 19 years old um, in a kind of five minute plus singles match um, Mark first what did you think of this uh, short Sean Michaels versus Buddy, Buddy Landell contest uh, well before we get into the match uh, the Boyd Pierce situation yes. of the week yeah. um, in a navy blue jacket a dark shirt green trousers uh, it must rank near the bottom of the Boyd Pierce fashionometer scale Pathetic. Uh, it was a Pathetic, huge letdown yeah. for me as someone who looks forward <laughs> to the reveal each week, mm. uh, what we're going to see. Uh, but the match itself, it, well, yeah, HBK wearing a MTV T-shirt. I don't know if there's any significance to it. I thought, is, is MTV still new? But it was about three years old at that point, mm. I believe. So I don't think there's any significance. He just found a T-shirt, wore it on TV. Yeah, um, and then, I guess it was probably considered cool, but that's about it, like a cool yeah, new thing, yeah, wasn't guess. it? Yeah, but not that. And Buddy Landell was holding up the TV title medal, and it fits handily inside the palm of his hand, and that just looks doesn't look right to me. And Bill Dundee did it too before Landell. Um, it's just the idea of having a medal instead of a belt when it's not hung around the neck. It just looks like a big commemorative coin or something, and yeah. not very prestigious no. on the whole. It was an um, idea linked to the LA Olympics, which is now you know you know months gone. So it's probably time. Yeah, to as I say, with it. with Kurt Angle, years later, when you do a ceremony, put it around the neck, it's a big deal. But just holding a medal in your hand and waving it to the hard cam uh, didn't do much for me. But the match itself, um, it followed a common theme I find with Mid South when a, a heel's going over on a enhancement guy. The guy gets a few moves in, like Michaels was doing arm drags and arm bars and um, Landell raked the eyes, quick body slam, elbow drop, and uh, that was that. Yep, yeah. This was the most offence that um, that Sean had got in so far in any any match because um, I'd counted the previous weeks. I think the last week was four. Um, Stu, what did you think of uh, of Michaels and Landell here? Well, I, I mean, 
very so I still note that I made, you know, uh, Michael's was dominant. One thing I did notice that the ref was really loud. I don't know if it was, he was really loud, the ref. I don't know if yeah. you guys picked up on I that. I didn't notice so, that. Well, in, yeah, in what way? Yeah. In terms of like, just, he's just really loud. It was just, yeah, yeah just, just, yeah. It, it stood out, if you know what I mean. But yeah, I, I got, I got really crisp, crisp arm dragged into bars. Uh, um, you know, that you mentioned the forearm is What I did know is that when, when Buddy Landell did his, uh, his, his big elbow to win the match, it's almost like he twisted 180 degrees in the air to do it. Yeah. It was quite, uh, yeah, it was, uh, stuff like that. But yeah, I think it was like, you know, it wasn't what I'd call a, like, like, you know, like, you know, it wasn't a big finishing move. And I think with a lot of the matches through the card, it wasn't like a big finishing move. It was just an elbow drop. And, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, and that was it. But, but yeah, I mean, again, not had much opportunity to see Michaels in his, his very early thing, so it was quite nice to quite nice to see that. And um, and, and and yeah, but that's about it. Really, same 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 analysis of really what Mark gave. Yeah, as I said, it would have been nice to see a bit more, but I suspect we'd probably see a bit more from Sean before um, before he heads off for different pastures. So next up, we have the North American title match with Ernie Ladd defending against Brad Armstrong, who had an impressive debut on the previous week of Mid-South Television. Joel says Brad has two big advantages. He has the rest of TV time to try and win, and it's not a no-DQ match. You didn't really understand, as clearly he couldn't win the title on a disqualification. Um, Ross puts over on commentary how Ladd turned down other challenges in terms of Duggan and Reed, and how he must feel he has the advantage over Armstrong. Um, I thought Armstrong's strikes are really solid in this, and once again, I was quite impressed with his work. Um, Ladd got back on top after a missed cross-body attempt in the corner. Armstrong managed to get the knees up as Ladd went for a splash. Ladd had some cord out, which the ref challenged him on, but then Armstrong drop-kicked Ladd into the referee who went down. Armstrong then used the tape, or string as what's called it, to choke Ladd down with the commentators very much positioning this as a babyface move in spite of it blatantly not being Armstrong applied the string assisted headlock as the ref made his way to his feet the ref checked on Ladd who was out his arm went down a couple of times and then Carl Fergie called for the bell in 342 Joel Watts put this over huge in commentary and said that Armstrong was getting a standing ovation as he was given the bell um, the crowd was somewhat loud at the end but I thought this entire thing was pretty bizarre really um, I think the crowd were confused by the heelish way this match was won um, but there we have it a new North American champion with Lad's reign only lasting 42 days um, Stuart what did you think of this match um, and the way they did this uh, did this title change here so the question I read at the end of my match is so is, is Brad a heel is he a heel like, no he wasn't like, a heel no yeah it, it, yeah yeah. and he certainly wasn't heelish through the match until obviously no. that time when he when he when he choked him out um you know, I mean, I think I commented on Lad before. He's clearly coming to the end of his career. Um, you know, I think he goes, I think he goes down way too easy for a six foot nine man. Uh, but but Brad was, he, he was, he was, he, he's crisp with his moves and stuff like that. And um, you know, but I, I, I was just left confused at the end. So like, is he a? Yeah, I just wasn't sure. Is he a heel? Is he a face? What? And, and I and I don't think the crowd knew what to make of it because it was a bit like you know there wasn't that big eruption. When he when he won the match, it wasn't a big eruption. When when the ref raised his arm, held the pilot. Yes, there was a bit more thing, but I, it, it just left a bit of a like, what, what is he? Do you know what? I'm yeah, saying? what side of the fence is he on? And and uh, obviously we'll come on to the later in the show. But um, but yeah, I, I was just a bit confused by it all. To be honest with you. Yeah, but, he he yeah. he was definitely staying babyface because he worked we worked rematches of Lad up to up until the, the new year basically. Then was then was pregnant with Hercules Hernandez. So yeah, really odd. What did you think of this um, this overall mark? I guess it's just probably quite a shock when this this title change happened yeah um i think in circumstances like this where you're sort of guessing from what you're seeing 
is, is who's the baby face, who's the heel, is somebody turning? Um, you need the commentators to sort of spell it out for you, I think, to make it a bit clearer. And I was surprised how Joel Watts was um, sort of explaining when Armstrong was strangling Lad with the rope after he spurned Lad's attempt at doing the same. He said Armstrong was only fighting fire with fire and Lad would have done the same to him. And then, most surprisingly, he said this shows a lot of guts as he was yeah. uh, strangling him. Um, <laughs> poor old Ernie got screw- screwed as far as I was concerned. Yeah, yeah exactly. The, the Shreveport screw job before our very eyes here. Um, but yeah, it was, I don't know. I think that if you're, have the, have the, if you really want to push Brad Armstrong as your new champion in your top title and, and draw, you have to have the guts to have him beat someone on your television show and not, not do that. And not, and, and I tell you what, especially don't make him look like a heel in the process because that is just not, it's not the way to do it. A rare kind of error here from, from Mid-South. Um, back from break, we have our dream match of Magnum TA versus the Ugandan warrior Kamala, who had some music and he attacked Magnum before the bell. Kamala got a devastating looking death. <laughs> Crikey. I, I, was, I, I, I must admit, I watched, this, uh, I watched this about a week ago and I was looking at my notes and I said, quite seriously, that Kamala got a devastating looking armpit claw. And then I realised that was supposed to be a joke. So Kamala had an armpit claw on Magnum early on. I can imagine if you'd, lo- if you'd use a little bit too much links just before a match and like he really got you in the armpit, this might sting a bit. Um, he moved it to a slightly better sort of double pectoral claw, which I didn't think looked too pleasant, especially if maybe his nails weren't weren't all that well cut or uh, what's it manicured, isn't it, for nails and pedicure his, uh, his, his feet. Um, what says that even though Kamala was a savage, he did use strategy to attack the same body part. In- instinct, if you like, what's added. They also talk at length about how Skandar finds it difficult to communicate with Kamala. At one part, point, Kamala slapped his stomach and Ross mentioned he wasn't sure what that meant and speculated it could be because he was hungry. Kamala held down Magnum with his hands and his armpits again and then on his chest for what felt like forever before Magnum finally got up only to be chopped back down again. Magnum finally fought back with some drop kicks before going to the well once too many times and missed one. He then got slammed with a running splash from Kamala three times before the referee called for the bell. Kamala hit him again with a splash before Butch Reed made it in there for the save, but even he stood back off Kamala. Landell got in there and started to fight, started fighting with Reed before DiBiase also entered and as, as well with a loaded glove. Reed fought back and was able to clear DiBiase out of the ring as Magnum lay, da- lay face down on what said he thought Magnum was unconscious. Ross said the ref had awarded the bout to TA by DQ. Well, there's a lot to unpack here in what ended up being Magnum TA's last ever televised appearance of the promotion, which sadly for me was pretty wretched. Uh, Mark, what did you think of this match first and also the post-match angle? Um, well, first of all, in the in- Boyd Pierce's introduction, uh, I-, I have a problem with them constantly referring to standby matches. I think it's totally yes. unnecessary. The dream match case, is a standby match, yeah. Yeah, in this case, he said this is the first standby match and we, we go on to have f- uh, five in total. Mm. But all five matches that we go on to see were announced by Ross and Joel at the start of the show. Here's yeah. what we're going to see tonight. It just complicates things when it doesn't need to be there. I think um, that's because of the title match, isn't it? And I don't, I don't agree with this, but I think, I think one of the other guests hosted that anytime there's a title match early, they'd all, they'd always call the other ones standby matches. But I think there's a way to do it with that. It sounded like a, like it, you're making this supposed thing that people have written in for. Why say it? You don't need to say it. So I completely agree. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, I, I made a comment on the um, the 
peck hold that um, <laughs> Kamala that you mentioned from Kamala, but it ended up turning into a, a lifted spine buster, which did look good. So mm. uh, I didn't have a problem with that. Uh, the referee, Randy Peewee Anderson's perm was uh, huge. Combined with the thin moustache, he resembled a young Lionel Richie. And uh, <laughs> a slip up from, uh, sorry, Joel slipped up on commentary at one point talking about Terry Taylor uh, instead of TA. Oh, did he? I didn't spot that. But, um, he, during that story where he said they've met once before, he mentioned that he refereed the match. So I didn't know that was another role uh, Joel Watts had oh, within the company. He refereed. And um, yeah, it was a second match running where the heels sort of screwed over because the referee called for a DQ as Kamala went for the third big splash on the off the ropes. He he hadn't broken any rules. He just sort yeah, of I didn't beat like him up a bit. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> what do you think of this, Steve? Uh, yeah, I, I've made reference to the pectoral muscle grab. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it, it was a bit of a squash, really, wasn't it? It was a squash, wasn't it? It was. There was I don't think there's any other way to get around that match. So they, you know, apart from TA getting in a, in a couple of drop kicks, it was pretty much a, 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 a squash. But um, I'm with Mark. I I didn't understand why TA was uh, uh, Kamala was DQ'd. You know what I mean? Um, the DQ sort of like happened didn't as well after the after everyone had come piling into the uh, piling into the ring. But yeah, I, I just yeah, it was yeah, it was a bit of a squash for him really. Which if that was his last, like you say, his last televised match, that was uh, that was a little bit disappointing. Um, but yeah, I like I, I, I like the bump fight afterwards, especially Butch Reed smashing DB off the hand on the turnbuckle four or yeah. five times, I think, didn't he? Which, uh, um, you know, um, a good old-fashioned Donnybrook, I think I called him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but yeah, if, if that was TA's last match, it was a bad way to go out, really. Yeah, it was. Yes, he he was gone. So Magnum would make his debut for Mid Atlantic on Christmas Day '84, and would go on to be a two-time NWA United States Heavyweight Champion, engaging in memorable feuds with Wahoo McDaniel, Tully Blanchard, and Ivan Koloff before eventually his career ended following a car accident on October 14th, 1986. He later worked as a commentator in the NWA, UWF, and also WCW, and also was briefly a manager there. Um, so this is another really major star and a, and a big focal point, North American champion. And also when I started watching this in late 83, early 84, the, the angle with Mr. Wrestling 2 and the, the kind of teach, teacher protege, um, you know, classic wrestling storyline was a, you know, a, big, a big focal point. And he's gone. The Midnight Express have just left as well. So um, the top names in the promotion now are looking quite different to how they did 12 months prior. Um, Definitely. Next- um, it came across like a sort of transition period for the company because all, time, three, yeah. all three titles had changed hands that week now yes. with, um, in terms of taping, not in terms of TV. Like Buddy Landell, the previous week had... Um, won the TV title and a couple of days before is when Hercules and DBS won the tag title. So yeah. in the space of a couple of days, it's, it's all starting afresh. Cause, cause this is, this is the thing that's, that's, that's interesting about, well, there's many, many interesting things about this time, but this wasn't just the world wrestling federation expanding at this time. Um, Jim Crockett promotions was, would, would have ultimately the TBS time slot by, by the, the week after WrestleMania one, that's when Jim Crockett went on TBS. So you're only talking about, you know, three and a bit months, well, four, four months, if you like, from this point. And they were expanding. They were going national. So people like Magnum TA, you know, and the Midnights as well, both going to Mid-Atlantic, um, you can clearly see that they were, you know, staking their claim to be a real contender and a, 
um, you know, a competitor to the WF. And I understand, I think that 84, maybe 84, 85, and 86, two, two of those years certainly were their most profitable years before um, things started going a bit wrong for them. Um, so, yeah, this is, this is a bit sad to see Magnum go, actually. I've always really enjoyed his, um, his work a lot. Next up in ring was Tim Horner and Dale Vesey. What said for any fans that just joined, they missed two barn burners. We also hope that Magnum wasn't injured too badly. Um, this went 313 and was extremely basic, I thought, pretty dull with a lot of side headlocks. VC also did an unintentional spin at one point when being thrown into the ropes. Um, Stu, I haven't even wrote, wrote, written what, who won this. I, it must have been Tim Horner or the finish. Yeah, it was. The Russian yeah. leg sweep. Doing cracking, yeah. cracking notes for me here. Um, Stu, yeah. what did you think of this uh, this match? Well, I put that. I put VC uh, did a 360 spin into the Irish whip, <laughs> which is then quickly followed by the Russian leg sweep and, and, and the match. Um, no, I ain't really got much to say on that. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Elbow, I think I think the highlight. I think the highlight was an elbow to the back of the head, <laughs> which is what I put, and the three and the three sixty spin in the Irish whip. So yeah, the, so the spin was definitely a high point. What, what did you have anything yeah. to add on this one, Mark? I got a couple of comments actually. Um, Tim Horner was um, is sort of paired with Brad Armstrong throughout his career, uh, in that they came into Mid South around the same time here having been tag partners in Georgia Championship Wrestling at the same time. And then by 1985, they tagged in Southeastern Championship Wrestling, Jim Crockett Promotions in 1986, UWF in 1987, and WCW well into the 90s. So I guess that's how they both come in at the same time. Uh, whereas VZ, um, he had a rugged look with a balding hairline and thick beard. So I was surprised to discover when I Googled him, he was only 24 years old. Wow, tough, tough paper round. Yeah, but with the those characteristics and a similar build, he, he bore a strong resemblance to uh, Buzz Sawyer, who, who was another guy who looked 10 years older than he really was. Uh, I made a comment about the finish, the Russian leg sweep float over into a pinfall. It always looks smooth and nice, but not especially devastating, I don't find, as yeah, a finishing no. manoeuvre, but obviously this is a different time, 1984. And then um, the match followed the the same sort of format as Landell and Michaels earlier, where um, Feezy got plenty of moves in and then the other guy stopped the momentum, hit his finishing move at the end. Indeed. And that's, what I, that's what I said in, uh, earlier on about like the audience, the matches weren't what you call your quintessential finishing moves. They were, they were basic moves, really, weren't they? That finished the matches... I think pretty much through the program, really. So yeah. yeah, there's nothing super. I mean, I suppose Kamala's splash was was fairly devastating looking. But yeah, you, you're right. There's not like the big knockout climatic finisher here. Certainly, um, Terry Taylor is back next up against Jack Victory, and Terry got some cheers from the ladies in the crowd. And Ross said that he had some great news for Rock and Roll Express fans. They've got the contract situation sorted, and they will be going up against Hercules and Diviotti later on. Watts does a really good job saying that the match was, that was supposed to happen against the Guerreros would have been very good as well, which I thought was a really nice touch from Watts. Um, Watts also said on commentary that he's spoken with Taylor many times and Taylor's ultimate goal is to win the world title. Um, Taylor hit a beautiful looking knee drop before following up with his flying forearm for the win in 2.30. Another short match. Uh, Mark, what did you think about this uh, Terry Taylor match against Jack Victory here? Uh, I had an issue with Boyd Pierce here. Um, it's maybe <laughs> just me speaking up for poor old Vac Jack Victory as a loyal ECW fan, but the ring announcer is supposed to be impartial. What Boyd Pierce did here, the introductions were like night and day. He 
said, <laughs> in the red corner, £269 from New Jersey Jack Victory. And a short pause before £231 from Vero Beach, Florida, the popular. The popular, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's sort of, here's the superstar and the other guy's going to get beat. That's what I took that to mean. The ring announcer should not be saying the popular Terry Taylor, I don't think. Uh, Stuart, anything to add on this one? Uh, no, I thought victory... Um, um, I, I, I thought you said women going crazy. There was about four women in the crowd, very, very attractively dressed, going bananas. Uh, <laughs> um, um, I, I put victory. I thought he was a bit sloppy, a bit sluggish, uh, but he didn't half take a brutal knee to the head before the forearm smashed. So, um, um, and, he, and he sold it well. I mean, ju- just when you thought things couldn't get any worse in the middle part of this episode. Next up, we have Private Terry Daniels of the Cobra Corps making his debut against Terry Ellis. So Private Terry Daniels is in full marine gear, hat and jacket and a USA t-shirt underneath. And he took what felt like half an hour to take this off before the match started. Um, and Terry had previously been in the WWF for most of 1984. Though I must admit, I'd never heard of him. Did I, have either of you guys heard of this guy? Nope. Nope, you want me? No, no. Um, so Terry hit an awful looking clothesline that Ross says was great and then won in 207 with the Cobra Clutch. Um, Daniels reminded me of a more boring and less able Bob Backlund. Um, Stu, what did you think of this uh, this private Terry Daniels of the Cobra Corps? Um, I, I was a bit more interested in Terry Ellis, actually, um, to be honest with you, because like you say, he... Um, I, I didn't know anything about... I didn't know anything about him at all. Never heard his name before, so... Uh, so I, I did a little bit of research. Um, his nickname was Dirty, and he also went under the name of Ernie Ellis as well. But that that pretty much was was it. And I think he was in a he was in a tag team um, called the Dirty Ones. That's all I found out. Really good. Um, good facts. Dirty um, Terry Ellis. Yeah. But, now was um, that was that because he didn't wash or something of a more I, adult nature? I, you know what? I, I, I found very little information about it. The, the, the tag team that he was in was the dirty ones with someone called Dan Hansen. Now that I don't know if that name means anything to you guys either. No. But, um, but yeah, he, he had a tough night, didn't he? Um, uh, so, <laughs> yes, he did. So first of all, I said uh, I think Terry Daniels needed some Velcro strips down his trousers so he could take them off a little bit. Oh quicker. yes, that was yep. the first thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was, I mean, God, he was, he was sharp, this Terry Daniels, who had massive back, back drops, good variety of offense. And then uh, did he end it with a, was it a camel clutch, I think? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, camel um, clutch, yeah. And, and all I put is that Ellis has had a bad day. Yeah, indeed. Mark, what did you think of this uh, This Terry Daniels versus Terry? Two, na- two guys named Terry in a wrestling match. That um, must be a first. My very first comment, too many Terrys. We've just yeah. followed up Terry Taylor in the last match and... Uh, Terry Allen technically was early yeah on. of course um, and the most yeah. what the hell hold on a second there's a lot of wrestling Terry's aren't there Terry Bel- yeah. I mean obviously he wasn't known as that but the most probably well I think The Rock's probably the most famous wrestler of all time now isn't he I suppose but Hulk yeah. Hogan one of the most famous wrestlers of all time named Terry Terry it? yeah wow a lot of Terry sorry Mark carry on <laughs> um yeah I've got a bit of background on um Terry Daniels because like I said I'd never heard of him um but he had had a run in WWE before this. Uh, he was a legitimate former Marine. And apparently, uh, it didn't go into specifics from the Google searches I did, but he was welcomed into the wrestling business after having a real fight with Adrian Adonis one night and holding his own against him. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah. He was welcomed into the business. 
Um, is he was involved in the Sergeant Slaughter versus Iron Sheik feud in WWF earlier that in 1984, but it seems his lack of charisma is what held him back from becoming a star in mm. New York. And um, there's an appearance on Piper's Pit he did, which can be found on YouTube, and that backs up the theory that the charisma <laughs> isn't uh, isn't the top of the tree. And uh, they announced him as a member of the Cobra Corps, which was a stable comprised of Sergeant Slaughter, Corporal Kush, Kushner, oh, yeah. and Terry Daniels. Um, the match itself was solid enough, technically sound, but there was no crowd interaction whatsoever, no. which is understandable from a rookie as Terry Daniels was here, you know. Um, but the commentators put him over strong, first mentioning his military background and then his intensity and his aggression in the ring as well. So, thankfully, after the last couple of matches, we now have the Rock and Roll Express up against Ted DiBiase and Hercules, albeit after the break, DiBiase is in the ring with an ice pack on his hand. He said the Rock and Roll Express refused to accept the match until they saw that no good gutter rat try and maim him and hurt his hand. He's referring to Butch Reed and that he's been nursing for a couple of years. DiBiase says he can't wrestle today. But his good friend Steve Williams will take his place. If the Rock and Roll Express can beat this combination, they will still get their tag team title match. So ELO's Rock and Roll is King bled out over the Irish McNeil's Boys Club sound system and the crowd were on their feet for Gibson and Morton. The hills were on top for all of the early going, which didn't really help the overall quality of the match, sadly. Um, Williams and Morton clashed heads and Morton made the hot tag, albeit the ref missed it. Morton slammed Hernandez into DiBiase and in the melee thereafter, Morton managed to roll up Hercules for the pin in 4-10. And after the bell, DiBiase then slammed Morton into the post on the outside while in-ring Gibson was taken apart by Williams and Hercules. Williams shoved down a couple of refs. Brad Armstrong, Terry Taylor, Tim Horner and Mike Jackson made the save. Um, Ross said that the Rock and Roll Express won the match and that means they will get a tag team title shot. Uh, he re- recaps the show with Brad Armstrong winning the, the title, Kamala attacking the Magnum. Uh, next week, we'll have Jim Duggan and Ice Man King Parsons making his debut, according to Joel, even though I've seen him a number of times in Mid-South already. Um, so, Mark, I thought this was a little bit underwhelming, actually, this 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 final match. What did you think of this, uh, this Rock and Roll Express versus Williams and Hernandez? Yeah, it was too short not to really give us anything to sink, sink our teeth into, but um, I enjoyed the frequent tags by Rock and Roll Express, as usual. Uh, they were working on the leg of Hernandez and then when Williams tagged in, they resumed working on his leg. It was a fun, fast pace, I thought. Um, I was waiting for DiBiase to interfere and show that his injury was fake. That's just my conditioning as a long-time wrestling fan of this millennium. Uh, but when he started beating on Ricky Morton after the match, he didn't use his right hand at all. So I guess it was a legit hand injury. Interesting, yeah. He wasn't yeah. faking. Um and then when the baby faces came down to stop the four-on-two beatdown, uh, I was pleased to see my favourite enhancement guy, Mike Jackson, leading the Yes, track. yeah, absolutely. Stu, what did you think of this uh, this final match on this week's episode? Yeah, I, I very much um, a bit of what Mark said. I like the quick tag, how they isolated, work on the knees and stuff like that. Um, but then uh, the melee afterwards is where I got confused. Brad Armstrong come down and like, you know, is he a heel? Is he a face? Do you know what to Yeah, do? yeah. Uh, and and and, uh, and um, one of the rock and roll express got pretty busted open, didn't they? So um, he did, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I was I was disappointed not to see DiBiase wrestle like that. I, I was a bit disappointed about that. And like Mark said, he was, he was waiting for it to be a bit of a ruse, and he take off his bandage and clock someone, and and then you know they lost the match, so they didn't get have to give him a title shot. So 
the actual ending surprised me. I, I, I have to say, given given the dynamics around the ring, but yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it, it, like it, yeah. Yeah, it would be nice to see a bit. It would nice to see a bit more time given to. Uh, you could have dropped a couple of the matches on the card that night, maybe given some more time. Yeah, to Michaels. You, you know, um, you know, four or five minute matches um, for them, and maybe give ten minutes for the the, the rock and roll and uh, uh, Doctor Death and Hernandez really. So yeah, the card could have been. Yeah, I completely, I completely yeah. agree. Um, and that's it. The December 15th, 1984 episode of Mid-South Wrestling is in the books. Um, I thought the middle of the show was really lacking in star power um, and Horner being followed by Daniels was not ideal. Um, the North American title change was odd, as we talked about, and the final match was a little underwhelming for me. Um, the promotion is going really heavy on Skandar's group doing beatdowns, um, but I'm finding that a little bit samey and it's not massively creative but I guess at the same time this is this is this is certainly a transitional time so Mark what did you think overall of this December 15th 1964 episode of Mid-South Wrestling? It was newsworthy obviously the title change been the main talking point but um, some guys who were either debuting or they hadn't been there very long so the sort of building up some new guys as the likes of Magnum um, are on the way out the door you've got to uh, sort of uh, replace them, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Shoot, any final thoughts on this episode? No, I, I think I think listening to what you said, it, it certainly had a bit of a transitional feel about it. Um, but but as I mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, it's been nice just to see some of the matches given a little bit more time to you know, particularly Shawn Michaels. It's been good to see him get a bit more time in the ring. But but yeah, yeah, it was okay. What I what I haven't mentioned so far is I've got a special Christmas present winging its way to both of you, which is. Uh, Private Terry Daniels Best Of which is an 8 8 disc set and it lasts 23 hours so I hope you and we're going to we're going to be reviewing that on the watch along yeah yeah, we're going to do a watch along (laughs) absolutely brilliant well gents it's lovely to speak to both of you and also it's fantastic looking at another episode of Mid-South we didn't do a Survivor Series trivia did we but I think we should do a Royal Rumble one so maybe we'll try and we'll try and sort that out because I I did promise Survivor Series, but then I think when I think well, at some point because we always did we did the anniversary trivia, and I thought about another trivia, and I was like, I just, oh, I just can't, I can't do it, I just can't do it. It's, it's sapping the life yeah. out of me. Um, but yeah, <laughs> <That's laughs> <sounds really positive>. <laughs> <laughs> but I look forward. I look forward to New Year refreshed. We'll do. A, yeah. We have to do a roll. That's gonna tell you what. That's gonna be a weird old because wherever you are with WWE, I think you are. I think it's fair to say that I've always. I think I've always watched the Royal Rumble and I would be interested in normal sessions of the Royal Rumble, but I'm guessing that's going to be, I've just, just read, and this is, this is old news now, but they're, they're moving the, the Thunderdome and they probably moved it by now, but I guess that Royal Rumble will be at that, um, that dome stadium rather than, I wonder if that means they're going to get let fans in, but again, we'll probably know that by now, but yeah. yeah Royal the, the reason for the move is uh, the NBA season yeah. started, so they had to get out of the Amway arena. Yeah. So I don't know, Tropicana feels baseball, isn't it? So I wonder if that by, April time but yeah I don't, I don't know but yeah um, anyway we'll leave it there without dating this even more by talking about things that have already happened so Twitter plugs and then we'll get out of here Stu where can people find you online uh, Twitter handle at Wakefield Canary good stuff and Mark uh, yeah Twitter and Instagram at Dopper6 which is D-O-P-P-E-R and the number 6 and 
I'd like to wish you both and all of our listeners a very happy Christmas. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's never too early yeah. to wish happy Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. The 15th. Yeah, yeah, Merry, yeah. Merry, Merry Christmas. And hopefully we might have a little Christmas tinge to next week's episode, but we'll see if I can, uh, I can make that happen. So thank you very much again, Jens, and speak to you soon. See you later, guys. Thank you very much for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed it, why not head over to Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button, follow on Spotify or press whatever you need to where you listen to this show to receive the episodes as soon as they are released. We love reviews at Mid-South Moments, so why don't you make my day by leaving a five-star rating? Also, if you're interested in guest hosting in the future, please do reach out at Mid Moments on Twitter and I look forward to speaking with you all again very, very soon.